like I'll start with number one, and if you own that, say I got this one, and say like you know if this is the first one you got or whatever. Is this going to be some weird fuel for my argument that victory is better than Discord? <laughs> so victory records number one, inner strength, time for reality. Yeah, whatever, seven inch. Okay, I want to see how far we get before Pete owns one of these. If he owns, I know this. I mean, I'd be the true litmus test here. Okay, Billingsgate, <laughs> reach out. You don't uh, have it, the Victory Early Singles CD, which has the <laughs> compilation of the four of these, because that's what I had. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, integrity in contrast of sin. Dope seven no. inch. Yeah, but <laughs> one of the best. But you did not have that as a seven inch, right? Like you got that. On no, the, no, on I the, had the yeah, I had the, the yeah, CD for that. CD. Right. Insight. This one was always. And no offense to the guys who were in this band, but this is like a bargain bin uh, regular. Insights. What and will it insight take? who just signed to a booking agency because they're back in effect really like today i noticed insight was uh, maybe off the where it went podcast and i was like oh, okay insights insights doing it. i'm well, almost a thousand percent it's them pick up pick those records from the 99 cent bin is insight because... the one with the tiger or is yes, that inner strength? yes no thank you no it, it, yeah number five is is only the strong cd seven inch comp yeah Number six is Iceburn. They're also making news as of late, coming back. Iceburn on every label. Yeah. <laughs> it hardcore. If they show up on Discord, I'm going to throw up something. <laughs> yeah, Iceburn is the um, Dag Nasty of the 90s hardcore scene. They might be. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so then it's number seven is Worlds Collide 7 Inch. DC Zone. That's a big one for DC. This might have been my first. Um, that makes but sense I'm, as a map first. Iceburn's uh, CD, Fire Iceburn's on. Fire On, which was only released on CD and cassette, speaking of the early mid 90s. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have had, it was still kind of hardcore y. Yeah, but did you, was this your first victory? No. Okay. Uh, Snapcase Comatose um, had this one, but I definitely had this one after Looking had Glass. It after. Right. It has a, it's like original singer, right? Yeah. And has the like the before they really knew what the harmonic sings was, so it's like yep. <laughs> that song was always like, oh, I think I might have ripped that off at all. Ask and in a bad way. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like the comatose. You know that song? Um, only the strong, nineteen ninety three. Can't believe that so many CD? only the strongs. <laughs> yeah, um, Warzone live at CB's. Uh, Never owed. Nope. Um, I saw them a lot at this point, but did oh, not. Like, it's um, amazing how many times I saw Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if that CD was just as one 20 times, maybe I would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that would be the live set. You also have a CD, so it might be as one a couple 20 Probably. times. Probably. Um, okay, then here's number 12. Uh, Firestorm. Classic. Released on CD, 7-inch, okay. and cassette. Yeah, and released in the cardboard sleeve. This uh, might have right. been this not been my, my first one. This might have been the first victory I heard. Okay. Makes sense. Didn't this own it. Still got the cardboard sleeve. 13 was Snapcase Looking Glass Self. So I'm going to say this is the first one I owned um, in order. Okay. Yeah. If we're going by that first one I owned in the, the catalog. Like definitely. when it came out before I went backwards and stuff like that. Yes. And definitely uh, have a Snapcase quote in my yearbook 
uh, bio. We can get back. To that. That's funny because I have a Snapcase quote. You have a Snapcase quote. I wonder what Pete has. Um, <laughs> so we just, so we got me and Jeff. So Pete, we're just going to keep going, and I'm going to go quick yeah, rapid fire here. Okay. Yeah. So I think if it's not 14, I'll be a little surprised, but maybe it's something else. <laughs> get, get out of here. here. Get out of here. Too. Number yep. 14. Get out of here. <laughs> high fi in the road burners and demons of a wicker park. <laughs> I'm amazed you know that high fi is so high. Like in terms of like early in the I would have guessed 23, 27 or something. Like in my mind, it was like when we tell the story of victory, it's like, and then they started doing some weirder stuff like High Fi and the Road Burners. <laughs> like, but no, well, apparently not. High Fi and the Road Burners, the beef eater of victory records. Um, <laughs> then it's. A- I definitely came back and collected all of theirs once I knew how good they yeah. were. Yeah. Was that when you had the really wicked um, sideburns that had like, looked like they had like. That's like when I came back and got them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did it. Okay. I, didn't I was love wearing your bowling, bowling I was shirts. wearing bowling shirts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, I definitely didn't own a bowling shirt, but had some friends who did from Victory. Then wear, wear some creepers, you know. Uh, and definitely it was a strife well, bowling oh, shirt. Oh, sorry, Matt. Sorry. Matt did yeah. have creepers. Yeah, another wrong with for, creepers. <laughs> Especially if they're from 99X. <laughs> Matt did wear creepers, but was not into hi-fi in the road burners. <laughs> he, he li- Matt's a little bit more into Psycho Billy, so he, he liked if the base was a giant coffin. <laughs> <laughs> or a toilet. Oh, a little circle back. <laughs> Call back. Boom-boom. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna. Um, All right. We'll let you we burn go. through because we gotta get to yeah, what so Pete's I'm gonna, gonna sh- actually. I'm gonna shift the energy off of me and back onto Pete here. So <laughs> just gonna go through the next top 25 and see if you make it any, at any, any of these, Pete. Okay. So it's uh, Hi-Fi. Then it's Warzone. Old school to the new school. Negative. St- strife. One truth. Nope. Hi-Fi and the Roadburners. Fear Again, City. No. Another one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. Vic- go on. Victory. The early singles. Nope. Cause for alarm. Anthology. Nope. Earth Crisis, All Out War. Didn't have it. Raid, Hands Off the Animals. Never heard it. Earth Crisis, Destroy the Machines. Nope. And here's where we, this is when we're really starting to get into it. <laughs> this, um, is the, it this is like Garlock territory yeah. right here. Integrity, Systems Overload. No. Snapcase, Steps. No. <laughs> Me, that one meant a lot to me. That's Number a big 20, one today. Oh, what about 25. 25 is the donuts, age of the circle. <laughs> you didn't have so it? That, always I always curious it. about that record, but uh, no. Nope. It's not terrible. I that one. It's, it's not, not terrible. War, not, I was not always not confused terrible. by the name. No, they were, they like were, fun, to see, they they were, were fun to see live. Okay. I wish I'd seen uh, it. Warzone, cause for alarm. I know you didn't have. Killing time, bright side also stands up a little bit. Uh, we're almost getting there. We're getting there. 28, one life crew, Did crime ridden society. Um, I think 29 You know, One Life one. Crew is like one of the first records that you have to be like, all right, am I going to uh, understand that maybe if I don't agree with something, but musically sometimes it's okay? Yeah. Can I yeah. stay? And then you're like, what the fuck did I own this record for? Yeah. <laughs> 29, Guilt, Bardstone, Ugly Box. No. Did you have that? I no. have this I'm, one. I'm shocked Pete didn't have that somehow. That feels like yeah. a Pete one. I actually don't now think I... Pete's going to own one. You definitely... I could see owning it, Matt. Uh, I, I'm not. I have no faith that Pete's going to own any of these. Now. No, that's why this is funny. Thirty uh, dead guy fixation on a coworker. Here we go. That's you it. You had this one. You yes. got it. Oh wait, yeah. we won. That's it. <laughs> I took thirty releases. <laughs> all right, that's all we needed. So let's 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 uh, let's start the show. Go to death. 
Welcome to Docs Till Death, the podcast where we're talking about old punk documentaries because we're a bunch of old punks. And today, we are talking about... Is it a documentary? <laughs> or what is, is a documentary? It... <laughs> yeah, this is a documentary quote that will make you question, yeah, what is a documentary? What is a tour video? Uh, or what is a maybe contract filler promotional material that it just might be? But it's certainly something I owned and watched a lot, and we watched it again. The Strife, One Truth, Live. I'm going to call it the VHS because <laughs> that's just in my brain. It was always the it VHS. It looks like a VHS when you Yes, when it certainly is a VHS. But apparently you can't get it on DVD with this extra footage. And I'm sure I'm the only one who vaguely watched, but I'd even watch it. And so, yeah, this is our first foray into the now. And when I say the now, I mean 1995. <laughs> but that's because, again, because we're old punks. And in my mind, I'm like, now we're getting into the modern stuff. <laughs> Which is very telling, especially when you watch footage of uh, all the bands that are associated with this now. And you're like, oh, right. As I texted you both today, we are old. And that's just <laughs> what is going on. So, Je- Jeff. Yes. Why don't you introduce yourself for us? Because you got so you're so giddy about this one that you didn't even complete. <laughs> yeah, your, you complete uh... the cycle. I'm Jeff Garlock. <laughs> and Pete, who are you? <laughs> I'm Pete Zetlin. and I'm Matt. And uh, fuck you, Borhan. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Yeah, do I did do get this. so giddy. I jumped right into because it's like I would. I'm, I'm jazz. I also like told myself before we started. I was like, don't get too defensive and don't get too hyperbolic. <laughs> like, that's like two things I'm really trying to force myself to not get in some mode where I'm just like, One Truth was the greatest hardcore record <laughs> because I know immediately I don't believe it or that this video is even that good. But I'm excited to talk about it. I think you've got to separate the album from this debacle that we watched. Jeff, if we're gonna rank us in terms of like uh, strife heads, Jeff is definitely the strife head. Right. And Pete, your relationship to strife could we say is non-existent? Yeah, I mean, I'm the I'm the least strife head here. <laughs> you know, I've I've been in I've been in rooms and cars where they've been played. Never seen them live that I know of. Um, so I'm the tourist here. I mean, I think in in a lot of ways I was th- like I was like. Thinking about a story, and I was like, God, I wish, because Pete, you were a year below us in college, and I wish you were there for, maybe Matt, you know what I'm going to talk about, but I remember early on in our friendship, in Warren Towers, which was a dorm (laughs) at Boston University, we got to a classic um, uh, white hardcore dude sitting around uh, and fucking kind of peacocking of what are our 10 favorite records, 10 favorite bands. And you could not have put more of a, we are all a cliche of ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) of what we all answered. Like, where was, like, our friend Neil from In My Eyes, but he was there, and he was, like, it was, like, all of his top ten bands were just, like, you might as well just list off the Rev catalog. Like, and it was just, like, early Rev catalog, and it was just, like, why are we bothering even having this discussion? My 10 bands were just all victory bands, except <laughs> That's right. Unbroken. 
Like, and so might as well be. It could have been a victory band. Because yeah. they're on New Age. And then I don't remember yours, but I remember you started with Black Sabbath, and somehow <laughs> Neil made fun of you for that. But you had the truest answer in there. And then I'm sure Joe Zarika, our friend Joe Zarika from Staten Island, was just like, CR, life of Seven agony. seconds. Might as well be no one. Oh, seven seconds, and that might be it. Like, it was just kind of <laughs> like, yeah. all right, I guess we're going to go with those three. Uh, but it's like, you know, like, that's kind of where I was coming from, coming out of Connecticut and Connecticut hardcore, mm. and then going into a new world. Of uh, being like, oh, maybe there's other music than what I've decided upon. Uh, versus, I I can imagine, I I can imagine what Pete's top ten would have been. Let uh, me hear it. <laughs> let's give three. Let's, yeah, let's hear. Um, this is what ninety. You, wait, for, this for is ninety seven. Oh, in ninety. If it was 96? ninety ninety six. Do you want the three records that, knowing you, we probably would guess would are your favorite. Or do we want the three records to judge by looking at you <laughs> before we knew you? Let's, uh, I mean, if we, if it was going start, by looking at yeah, let's start with looking at me. Okay, I wa- looking I at I walk into um, Warren Towers. You don't know me. Big Head Todd and the Monsters, widespread panic, <laughs> um, incredible string cheese incident or something. If I knew dead. you, no the, fish, the no dead. dead. I, I think you would. I think you had a little bit extra to you. Okay, you know. Okay. So I'm giving you the benefit. Fair of that. enough. I'm being cool. Fair Your enough. four and five is the dead and fish. I did have yeah. long hair at the time, so yes, kind of like a, a cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> Parted in the middle, long yeah. sideburns. <laughs> if I was guessing, I mean, I don't know. Would I have said so? Like, I, I don't even know if any of the ones popping in my. I feel like at that time you would have still been like, oh no, piebalds. Like yeah, anything Weezer I saw converge. at the Red Bard. Like. Yeah, Piebald Weezer Converge. Conver- Piebald Weezer, Weezer Converge, yeah. Weezer was the, your outlier, but like the band that you didn't sure. know. Every other band would be a band you guys like, a band yeah. you guys like knew. Yeah, that's sounds- Oh no, they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> and how we're still friends sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, but so that is where, like, you know, the kind of like, I think the, the, I, I knew there would be a fun in this because it's like we, but we all have changed, but also not really. So. <laughs> okay, so before before we let Jeff just go on a tear, <laughs> and I'm gonna try to not. I'm gonna really try to not. This was released in '96 on Victory Records. Um, it was released after the um, One Truth LP. I think it might have been in support of the Gray Seven Inch that came out in. In 95, because this tour, I think, happened in early 95. It's a winter tour, uh, the, the tour that's being documented in this documentary. <laughs> Quotations. Um, and it's um, the only other thing I'd no- say bef- before we kind of get into it is that this movie was directed by a guy named by a guy named Darren Doan. I think that's I'm saying that right. Um, who I don't know what the relationship between him and the band was. He went on to direct a number of music videos, including um, um, and, and a feature film that we've watched freshman or sophomore year called God Money, starring Rick Rodney, the singer of Strife, yeah. and the um, singer of Pennywise. I know that Pennywise and the Red Hot Chili Peppers did a bunch of um, uh, benefit concerts and holiday God. concerts in the 90s. Early connection. Wow, okay. Yay. Yeah, yeah. But but then Darren Doan, um, he's a born again Christian, and he becomes a born again Christian 
around the time this comes out. Um, and he, yeah, he made a movie called Surviving Christmas or Celebrating Christmas or Surviving some Christ- shit. Or Surviving Christmas. Something like that. And he's also an actor in that movie. Defending um, Christmas. Defending Christmas. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he's Christmas. just like... Saving Christmas. Saving Christmas has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> considered the second worst uh, rating of all time, I guess I read. Um, yeah, and so like that's sh- there's ways in which that hangs over the his his presence and me knowing who he becomes hangs over the movie um, in ways that like I'll just talk about later or bring up later. Although I will say, Jeff, before you go in, that I think you said this movie raises a bunch of questions. One question it raises is, is this what compensatory nature of, mas- of masculinity looks like? Like, there is just so much dudishness in this movie. Uh. And I was, like, thinking about it the entire time. But the uh, striped tramp stamp at the end where, for some reason, he just pulls his pants down at the end of it was, like... I mean, I, my main thought with the striped tramp stamp also, someone who has a tramp stamp and is always bummed about it. I like as soon as it came on watching this, I was like, if that person's still alive, they still have that. Like this just the true. weirdness of true. just sometimes when you see tattoos and alts, where you see something like that, it's just like or when they had the barrage of like Star Wars tattoos, oh, yeah. which created this idea that I feel like I've brought up where I'm like, oh, maybe it was just strife of just like mid-90s hardcore dudes really liking Star Wars too much and then making me kind of be like, ugh, I don't know if I really love Star Wars that much. Like, kind of bums me out. Uh, but, like, I, I Strife definitely really loves yeah. Star, like, Star Wars. Like, where I was like, oh, right, is that why he's saying, you know, let's keep the Resistance moving on? And I was like, is the Resistance <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> it might be. Did you? Was and, that and, realization and on everyone. this watch? On this watch, because I've just been like, oh, he's just using the kind of, like, broad, straight-edge language, which is, like, you know, kind of par for course for uh, this type of hardcore. But it is a world that always existed in the, 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 you know, just even the fact that, like, 3-1-G, like, uses the, like, a logo from the frickin' the, the Resistance, I think, like, is what their logo is. So I'm just like, ugh. Like, people really still collect these. Like, I mean, I know it, that people love it a lot. But yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I picked it was, one, because I wanted us to kind of come into at least uh, uh, somewhat the world. Like, we've been kind of mired in the past and real past and real, like, old dudes. And I was like, okay, now's our chance to be old dudes in a very specific way. But, you know, one of the main reasons I picked it is... uh, because one, at one point, it was important to me to some extent, but a big chunk is because I was at one of those shows, like I was at the tune-in show, and so that was like one of my like earlier shows, like to the point where, so like that night, I went alone to that one and not with all of my friends because I had a lacrosse game that I had to go to of like the senior team. I had to watch them at night, or we were playing or something. And the minute it was over. I ran to my car, drove to a McDonald's, pulled over to X up, <laughs> drove to New Haven from <laughs> Cheshire, and parked and like ran to the tuning because I was worried I was going to miss Strife and walked in right in the middle of Ashes, who oh, were fantastic. Yeah. Ashes opened. I didn't. Uh, fantastic for Pete. I was like, <laughs> what is this? And when I listened to Reese, I was like, what is this? Um, I get it and don't get it. It was a certain yeah. time. Sure. Um, 
I would pretty sure Cornerstone had to have played as well. Uh, but then, so yeah, I got there and like, I'm not in the video. I don't recognize anyone in that video because I feel like the way hardcore sometimes works where like you cannot go for a year and like all of a sudden it's a completely different crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I like didn't recognize anyone when I got the video. Uh, but that show was like super important to me. And like I was a total punisher to Rick Rodney. And when it was over, I'm I went on stage and like did like the whole like I just wanted to thank you for letting me know about like straight edge and blah blah blah. And like he was super sincere and like shook my hand. And then I'm pretty sure I did the same spiel to Snapcase like a couple months later. And that guitarist could not have given a fuck less <laughs> about me talking to him. I just know like he and and after years and years of playing, now I can understand. Also, who the fuck wants someone coming up like the minute you're wrapping cables and trying to get the fuck off the stage? Um, I get it. I was being a punisher. But, uh, yeah, watching this one especially, Nat, was still like, I don't know. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> I don't even think we should call it <laughs> a movie. And I have a fondness for it. <laughs> yeah, so, Jeff, you said, so let's like let's be generous to it. You yeah. said to us, I don't know if it was on the phone or text... You said there are images from this that, like, you just remember, like, that have been in your brain. Like, the part of, they, they kind of, like, have become part of your hardcore imagination. And you just remember, like, it, it fired off those neurons when you saw mm-hmm. them again. Can you lay out for us what some, because there's no structure of this thing that we really have to, like, track or lay out. So maybe one way of talking about it is, like... Give us, like, your, like, top four, top five, like, images from it. Like, the things that, like, when you saw them, you're like, oh, shit, that's, that, I remember this vividly. Him soldering his guitar and me being really stressed about tour, uh, 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 them talking about sneaking into the hotel room, um, and sleeping and who they slept with and having ten people in the room. Because also, this was something I saw before I started going on tour, Mm-hmm. And this is something we all can talk about to some extent, but it's just like, I do think this is, at least at least of what we've watched so far, but I think in general is a pretty good representation of what a lot of tour is. Um, the uh, the guy trying to sleep in the van where everyone's sleeping and then just realizing it's not going to work and just going, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, that was what, where I like I used to watch that, like I thought that part was really funny, but also would stress me out. A lot of this would like kind of like stress me out. The taxi cab section. Oh yeah. Where they're being kind of sketchy dudes, but then the the I that's the only part I'll say like film wise, comedically, it's kind of funny. Like where I'm like, oh you actually have timing for the first time in this entire thing. Um is the cut from them being shitty dudes on tour and fucking with a cab driver who was so fucking bro-y. with them. So broy in the most broy way. And then a pretty harsh cut to the camera still on, but no lights. And it's like, fuck, does he have a gun? Turn, turn. <laughs> like, and because both where I'm like, I've been there kind of on tour. And that's the only thing that has timing. Because again, there's not much timing in this. Um, like that shit's the shit that kind of immediately like, like uh, them screening the fucking Star Wars shirts. And me remember getting it and being like, oh, that must have been after. Because I don't remember those shirts. I bought a shirt that was directly the one you can get from Victory. On the other end, watching this now as a 42-year-old. Like, I, wa- I know I joked about how old we are. But it really was like, at the time, they felt so much older to me. But they weren't at all. 
And they felt so much bigger to me because they were playing the tune-in and playing big clubs, which were the same clubs I was playing. So it's not really like, you know, but I've been on plenty of tours. Why would you bring that many people? Yeah, that that part seemed insane how many people they had in this van that, if you watch this, has no seats in the back. So, you know, because they're they're carrying a trailer. So they've got this whole back section, which probably had at least you know, probably two more seats that they took out. So they're yeah. at least. And so there's just like this area where everybody's sleeping, but they had so many people in there. It was crazy. They must've, I mean, they must've had the seats that you can't actually take out. Yeah. And they must've sometimes left a row in, sometimes took them all out. I mean, that's also to me where it's like, I don't know. There's, it was interesting watching it because it was like my, it was like watching it without the, uh, uh, almost misconceptions of being a younger hardcore kid when I first really saw it and then slowly more getting into the kind of like DIY like basement scene and being like oh these are like the fucking big bands right and now in retrospect I'm just like no they made no money on that tour like there's no way they could have unless merch really blew out in a crazy amount they all had to fly home they blew it on the rental, like, right, and, I, right. because, and I say that as like I've been there, like I I know how that red line works on that like that econ like economic spreadsheet of that <laughs> tour. But let's say go the tune in. So you've got eight dollar show, maybe ten at the tune in. Tune ins two fifty, maybe two hundred. Like it looks packed, but that club was kind of like it was a small space. Like so, like sixteen hundred bucks. Like, and then pay out Ashes, pay out the local, whatever Fernando from the tune-in took off of that. I do think they probably made, like, a good amount on shirts, but also right, right. were selling them expensively, but still not crazy expensive. Like, I don't know if they were at that point. And then, like, plane tickets are still expensive. Rental's expensive. Um, uh you know, like even I remember watching it being like, oh, man, they get like hotel rooms. But then I was like, now I've done enough tours where I'm like, no, they did what you usually do. Like you, you when you get to somewhere like Vegas or Nevada, you can find a way to fucking get a room that's like surprisingly nice. And it's kind of cheap because they're that's just kind of how it works. Like at that point, um, uh, was that a national a national tour or like. A... They must have been driving back. I think they yeah. drove to the East Coast and did like we've done that. We did that too. Like they must have driven to the East Coast and all that stuff after the the guy's tramp stamp. Those little bits are seemingly seem to be them driving back, which is confusing. But they can be driving back because they I know they flew. Well, they Maybe only it's, flew it's I when think they're driving out. Of... Oh yeah, no, but they flew because they were trying to drive back, and then like Rick Rodney got like multiple tickets, and then the van died. Then the van died. Right. Because the they were in shaking. like Cleveland. I think they were in Cleveland or. Uh, yeah. But I think they got to Indiana, maybe, if I remember correctly. Or something back. like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe. And then. The, maybe. So then they had to, you know, pay for plane tickets to get back. Right. Um, and I think they left know. the director there with the van or something, is my understanding. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, also knowing with the director, sometimes in some of those scenes, I was just like, motherfucker, maybe you should stop holding the shitty camera and do something like, you know, I know that's your job. But like the scene where the guy's freaking out about not sleeping, like, 
Like, do right. a trade-off here. Stop filming this as a funny scene and let the guy get some sleep. For me, you know, like, the scenes that you gravitated towards, Jeff, were a combination of, like, rites of passage and then ones that were, like, genuinely had some human interest. And I think the ones that had the human interest were the the them kind of harassing the taxi driver until he pulls out a gun. Right. And the sleeping guy video scene, you know, because it's just funny. I mean, it's a tour. Th- it's very specific to, like, touring, mm-hmm. but it's also, like, a very human reaction where this guy's just like i'm tired and i can't fucking sleep right now you know like a collection of bad decisions like i mean how like we might have talked about it before but like it never works that we're just gonna drive through the night like and i fe- i feel for it. like it's just like when they're like it's 5 30 i should be in bed what are we doing like it's it's always a bad it's never a good idea <laughs> and you always think it's gonna be a good idea and it never works uh, and, and but then you do it again, of course, like for the billionth time. It's horrible. Like, why, why did we do it? Pete? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, because the the U.S. is dumb, and it's hard to. There's just areas where you have to drive. You get to Texas, and it's like we just have to drive. But like the amount of gas stations in this, I was like, this is the most relatable. Like, I mean, that's why part of it t- for me was like when I saw it, it was like. It was one of the first times maybe I saw where I was just like, yeah, this is not like watching the song remains the same. Sure. Right. You know, like where it was like, oh, right. Like, like this is there's nothing going on. Like, like, and there is nothing going on in this movie. Like, like it's a lot of gas <laughs> well, stations. So, yeah. I mean, it just it feels it's it's fine as a home video. I mean, right. I I I made 100%. You, I made the same movie. I made a documentary yes. on tours that I went on, uh, right. minus the slow mo weird effects that the guy put on. But we early video I, toaster. We we got in a van. We moshed in the back. Used a a baguette as a microphone. Did dumb stuff. Peed in the van. Right. Slept in the back of the van. Eight crappy. I mean, why are we not watching your fucking? It, well, movie? exactly. I mean, that's. I was because I, you weren't strife. Pete, well, exactly, strife. exactly. <laughs> but I, I it made me wonder, yeah. like, what they thought. You know, when they were putting it out, what they thought of it. You know, if it was like this is amazing. Yeah. Or it's just like like what you were saying. It's like they had said they would put something out, and so it's like here this thing is. It's just. The the fact that there was like a director that like they brought someone along to videotape this seemed insane to me. Seemed just crazy. Jeff, you're almost like s- selling it like some mumblecore, like hardcore right. mumblecore movie where it's just like, why of all the hours of footage that this guy got, did he think it was a good idea to have the guitarist show the guitarist like talking? directly at the camera pretending to jerk off a Star Wars action figure. Like, why is that? Well, I think those are probably inside jokes that don't translate, you know? It's like, oh, this was funny. No, I don't think so. I I think, like, I I don't think so. Like, what's the inside joke? Well, not an inside joke, just like, I don't know, maybe it was funny to them. No, I agree. I mean, again, like, this is, like, the version. When I first got it, I legitimately was disappointed, Matt. Like, when I first got it, and, and, like, I liked watching it. But was a bit of just like, what is this? And I don't think that's revisionist history. Like when I was a kid, like when I was younger and it came out, I was legitimately Core videos like, are generally like, what is this? Well, you know what I mean? Well, like, that is often... a, it's what you said. But I mean, Pete, is that it's like the the footage. It's unclear why this exists. Like it's like it's not like he had the guy with the good camera 
or maybe even at time, but like most of the video, almost all of the video footage is the same exact video that all of us have bought at, at some point, like some VHS bootleg where you get it and you're like, oh, I'm so excited to finally see this band. And you're like, wait, I can't hear any of the vocals. Like, and I can't really hear what the parts are. I was like, I thought I knew this record. Uh, and or even still happens where I'll be excited, like, oh, they've, this band has a video that I didn't see yet on YouTube. Like, and then I'll just be like, Ugh, okay, I mean, I mean, I don't need to watch the whole thing. Like, let's not go crazy uh, yeah. here. I mean, I definitely was speeding through many parts of it that were, you know, the live parts. And that's a hard part is like, it's not even balanced where if you got this and you're like, well, the van parts are dumb, but the live stuff's right. going to be awesome. The live stuff also kind of sucks just because it's video taped really poorly like you know it's yeah. got a slow-mo kind of thing you can't really get perspective of like like i would love a shot from far away and understand kind of like how because the shows seem kind of massive um but you can't really you're just sort of like you're in it while they're moshing which i is cool but not the entire time like you just i'd like more panning away or something you you got all the hate five six in yourself, you know. That's why you've well, seen too sure. many hate five six yeah, videos. I know. I know. Well, because I do think spoiled. that's what not to give a, but it's like because clearly it was this guy, just one guy in his camera, and for some reason he thought the best place to be was on stage. But yeah. also, as we all know from years of shooting those videos. It just immediately blows out your unbelievably terrible microphone yes. that's on your VHS. Right. Combined with most people are just mushing around at these shows, so you're going to get thrown around nonstop. And I bet you a lot of those video effects are him just like, I got to do something with this to prove I did a video here. I mean, it all makes it. It's you, I can see it as the progression to the. 400 music videos this guy seemingly did yeah. like where it's like oh yeah like it's just they're like it's not the aesthetic choices the few that he actually made are really not great <laughs> like they're very uh, 90s yes um well i want to back up for a second because pete Please. said it feels like you're in the pit like a little bit and that was a line that we talked about when decline of western civilization in in, in a positive yes. way where like you really felt like you were in here like, I want to distinguish this from that because this, it feels like you dropped, it doesn't feel like you're in the pit. It feels like you dropped your iPhone um, while you're dancing yes. and you find it at the end of the song and you realize the camera's been on the whole time. It's not yeah. like, right. it, it sucks. Yeah. Like, right. It's not, it's not like pointed at one specific place. It's all over the place. No, it's a constant barrage of when you're like, wait. I know this part is coming up. Why would you be on the person who does yeah, the dumbest right. part in this part for the breakdown or for the part where everyone's going to sing along? Like, why are you going back to the drummer who's playing just like a 4-4 beat? <laughs> like, yeah. at like, that point. Yeah, it's like the breakdown comes and it's like all of a sudden some like emo shot at like their vans. It's like, right. what is going on here? Well, it's also and then the audio is the equivalent of, like, I remember my buddy Kurt used to tape things for a while and he, te- he tried to tape a coalesce set. And, like, that took the level of, like, blowing out a microphone (laughs) times a billion. Because he was on stage at the tune-in. And, like, it's it's like watching a Merzbo video. (laughs) Like, the audio is just, like, you're just staring at the drummer 
and the bass player being like, I guess that's what the song is. <laughs> like, if I'm piecing together the rhythm of what they're doing, because it's like, <laughs> uh, and that's how the video, the audio is in this most of the time, too. Like, there's no way they could have been like, this is dope. Like, this sounds great. Yeah. And the other thing to note, like, is I don't think there were many full songs, which no. is a weird thing, too, right? right? right. Like, let's go, through a, let's go through a quick lightning round of odd filmmaking choices that I yeah, think are kind of in there. Because I think no, no complete full songs. Definitely think that's an odd choice. Yep. Um, starting off with multiple little sections of the album song but maybe not finished where like i had a brief moment where i was like am i gonna have to text pete and matt because i completely forgot that there is no documentary or anything (laughs) going on in this even more so than there really was so there's that deciding to start introducing who people are at maybe the half hour mark are they in the band are they not in the band i don't know they they introduce a guy like 20 minutes from donnie or something you're just like wait why uh (laughs) and the way they introduce it where it's like it's like the end of animal house where they like or like they stop on like they just like just freeze frame which especially on a youtube out of YouTube, I constantly was like, is my internet out? Like, did, we just, did we just lose it? It's like, no, no, it's just a guy who doesn't, who's learning timing. <laughs> Are there any other odd quit that I'm thinking of, like aesthetic choices? That weird, like, I feel like the, the there's a couple. One is like with the live footage in particular. It, it looks like like the the band shots when it's like band in motion when like the, he leaves the shutter you know yeah. open too long. If you told me it was an in camera effect, I would believe you. You know right. what I mean? Like oh, that yeah. all of a sudden halfway 100%. through you could just press a yeah. button. Uh, I mean this. Is, I mean I also was just talking about this because I rewatched Alien Three, and was thinking about like why do I hate '90s movies so much. A lot of ways. And I, it's partly the same as this, where, like, it was, like, this weird transition of, like, you went from, like, kind of, like, auteur filmmakers to, like, these filmmakers who came out of commercial work and yeah. were also using technology that was in the transition phase. So it's, like, there are shots. I mean, it's David Fincher directing it, but, like, it's, like, bad terrible cgi and then terrible fisheye lens which you like as a chase which you're like oh right that was like a choice because you made a lot of music videos like of like george michael and stuff at the time and i think there's that there is a little bit of that kind of carryover in like some of these aesthetic choices but like imagining like while i was watching because i had alien three in the brain i was like that's david fincher doing that with a humongous franchise that has millions and millions of dollars behind it this is, and this is maybe something that might be kind of an interesting part of it that now I'm kind of realizing is like, why does this movie exist <laughs> if we're calling it a movie Not or a if movie. we're calling it a documentary or if we're just calling it a promo? But as you went through that, that discography of victory, like this is also the kind of transition to some extent of victory going from oh, they're just like this bigger Chicago hardcore label. Like, and two, Tony Brummel's going to sell his label for like $11.5 million. Like, and so it's like, I do think there was something in that label, and this video is an example of it, of a lot of like victory, which was the bad part to me of victory, was like kind of a fake it till you make it sort of vibe. 
Yeah. And it was just like the it was like the beginning before they could really kind of cover their ass of just like, no, we also have all the financials to back it. Like, you know, we talked about it off air, but let's get into his sunglasses. <laughs> like, I do think it's connected. So, like, the sunglasses Rick Rowney's wearing. He's wearing, like, basically, like, RNA wraparounds. Maybe Oakley I think they're, like, Oakley. Yeah, they're, like, they're Oakley snowboarding glasses or something like right. that. Right. So, this is, like... You know, it's so of the time. It's so broy. It's also very possible he was wearing them because they got a box of Oakley shit. <laughs> that could mm. be true. Like, and that was the thing this time where, like, I always would be like, man, it's weird that they do all wear Victory shirts. They certainly were all wearing nonstop Victory yes. merch yeah. because Tony Brummel gave them boxes and boxes of free shit. Because he was a marketing genius, like, guy. Like, that was his fucking thing. That's what everyone hated about Victory to some extent. Like, and I do think, like, they're all wearing donut shirts, not because they love and respect donuts per se. They might. But I think, like, you know, Chuchi or whatever, the, whoever the roadie is who they introduce with an unbelievable pause <laughs> is wearing a Victory Records hoodie at some point. But because they probably stopped in Chicago and he gave them a box of shit. Like, I think that was part of it. It's like, this is where now being older, but also going through bands where, like, you know, Panthers, we would get free shit and it wasn't good. And I would have to weed through stuff that it would just be like, all right, can I deal with wearing this triple five soul jacket <laughs> that, like, has too much printing on it or some shit, but it's free. And I need a winter jacket. Like, and I remember when I knew I was done playing music is when I didn't have free clothes that I <laughs> could get wear anymore. Uh, and so there is a bit like it's very possible that his choice, but even the sweater he was wearing, I was like, oh, I think he's wearing like a snowboarding sweater. I wonder if the like Tony Brummel just was like, yeah, I'll hook you up with sponsors. Like, you know, which changed like it was like, but at the same time. Do I have a gut reaction as well, like you do, Matt, to those sunglasses? Yes. They're disgusting to me. <laughs> like, I hate when my buddy Eric wears them. I love him more than anything in the world. But I've been fighting with him since I was 16 years old to stop wearing these fucking sunglasses. Because they scream bro to me. Like, they scream that, that aesthetic choice. But I do wonder, like, I guess that's part of it. Is like, when I brought up, like, that I don't know if they really came back with a lot of money on this tour. Like, I was like, oh, are they, like, yeah. Like, I think in my mind, they were this huge band. And I think they became another level after this record. Yeah. Because they were also probably trying to get to that next level a little bit more and started to see that there was a possibility. And then Victory was probably like, hey, I can kind of get you to do this and do this and get this bigger tour. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I mean, Victory could have all those shirts, you know, like their merch could be that Victory was fronting all that, you know, like so that they're not actually making money off of it or they're paying Victory yeah. back for, you know, maybe they printed all the shirts and stuff like that. And probably took a cut, like probably right. like did some like, we, I mean, that was always end up being the beef people I think had with Victory it was just like, they're going to screw you. Like, he's a business guy. He's going to screw you somehow. So, yeah, they probably fronted, which, as we know, it's just like fronting merch is such a cost, too. Sucks. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's something interesting. Like, I wonder if, like, what we're watching is the transition of victory trying to convince the world that they are a humongous label. 
in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, I think this was the first DVD that they, or I guess it was VHS, right, at that point, right? I think this is their first, from what I can tell, their first sort of foray into trying that out. Having the video that shows that they're going on these tours that plays them as a successful band, having whoever their PR person is, you know, because they have the PR, having their ads in like a thousand times, all these things that they did... It's probably what got them onto the shows where they would they met the guys from Sepultura and the right. Deftones and all that. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, it's all part of a performance to show that they belong on that next level. And part of their belonging on that level is the performance, right? But which is also weird. Does the VHS show that they are at that next level? Like that's the part that that is the the screw in the argument. Where I'm like, what your end result was is this like poorly made, shitty promo video. <laughs> it's you know? a promo video, but there are lines of kids around every show. Yes. Yes. You know, and for, for anyone who's going to like, and I don't even think it matters. It's just, it's just that they have this thing. Which is the beauty. Like, that's a trick, too, even. Because, like, you mentioned that off air, but, like, you see it at the tune-in. Like, why that was the case is because it was such a pain in the ass to get into the tune-in. But just just the exposure, too, right? Like, when we would go to Tower, there was a huge, huge, huge selection of band VHSs. Right. Yeah. Like, band, like, bands, like, big band. Like, I had, like, I think the only concert, and it was mostly concert shit, like, right? Like, and, like, I remember the one I had, I, if I, I think it was only one I had, was Ned's Atomic Dustbin had, like, a tour right. documentary after their first record. Right. And, you know, it's just, like, it keeps you jazz. It makes you want to go buy the, like, the, another another shirt or some shit yeah. like that, you know? Like, I was going to say, it makes sense. You know, you think about, I mean, I can see, I'm in my basement, I can see two old VHS tapes that I have. I don't know why I still even own them, but, you know, I had that Crimson Curse one that came out. Uh, one yeah. that that Bifocal Media came out that was like a collection of bands and they did a few of those, which is like when you think about it, it's kind of a progression from skate videos of like Big Brother and stuff. It's like some of these bands you would, you know, for like the Bifocal Media was a collection of all these bands on it that some I'd seen, some I wouldn't hadn't seen, but, you know, you could learn about new bands in a different way. And for a band on tour, you know, it's like something else to sell uh, that's a little bit different than just a record. That's just the interesting part. It's just like the bifocal, like unless I remember, like, yeah, it, it but it, I, I think there's a different version. Like, I agree with that. Like, there was then like a burst of like yes. those types of VHS, but then I think this strife video probably existed more like the Ned's Atomic Dustbin For or sure. like the Jesus Lizard one, where it's what Matt is saying, where it was like Tony Brummel slash Victory saw, like, oh, these kind of like, Bigger, smaller labels are doing this even. Like, it's like, this is what you would do with the post-Nirvana bands. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do right. that with, like, and fuck it, if I don't got the budget, we'll just let this guy do it. Because, you know, he's not good. He's, he's willing to be in a band <laughs> with 12 other dudes for some reason. Um, I think I saw something when I was looking up Darren Doan. After we figured out like who that this guy was the guy who made this movie, right. he's got some video on YouTube where like it's like it's a sermon, you know, like yeah. all of his shit is like kind of sermons. But one line he has in the in the title of it is, um, "Don't be precious about your art." 
And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's true. You definitely yeah. don't want to be precious about your art. Right. But right. there's a difference between it doesn't have to be good, it has to be done, and it doesn't have to be good, but this is really crap. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, I am, I'm, as I think we all are, like, I am, it maybe will still be a bit of a rabbit hole, like, go after this, but, like, the problem is you go down a rabbit hole with this filmmaker and you end up in too much of a Kirk Cameron fucking rabbit hole. But, like, I want to know, I mean, I think you brought up, like, like, was he a hardcore kid? Yeah. Or was yeah, he? he was. Because that weird article you found, like, talks about how, like, he made all these videos for grunge and alternative bands. And I was like, I think you're talking about Strife. But this is the church publicists, like, doing it. But, like, what no, type of... amazing amount of videos. He did videos for... I know. He did videos for Nile. But was he addendum? Like, hardcore, where it's just, like, yeah. he realized there was a world he could live in? Like, you know, or... Was he, like, just, like, a straight-up hardcore kid? Like, I mean, like, super... I mean, because I also want to know the transition. Because, again, we talked about this a little bit off-air. Like, there is... It totally makes sense to me, a transition. Like, I was kind of actually... My wife was, like, bringing up... Because she's like, I still don't understand how there could be a transition to, like, Kirk Cameron-style Christianity out of hardcore. And I was like, it makes so much sense to me. Like, it's just, like... It's it's the it's what, what what do they say in like the Avenger people say like um, it's the the worst timeline was yeah. that from Avengers yeah, it's like the worst it's the worst trajectory but it's a very it's a very I think that's a from very like Fantastic Four movie <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah VHS yeah. The, um, I think it was the only Marvel I think it was, movie, a, I think it was a, a split with uh, Strife yeah, yeah. so the yeah, like no. So this, yeah, we could talk about that, but like where he is, I think at least what he says, you know, now like twenty five years after this is twenty five years old. This document, this this tour movie, right? Um, he says that he was into in like when he's like talking to a bunch of like you know other like nutso Christians um, in some interview platform. He's like he said that he grew up in in punk rock, which is what we all say. We don't say hardcore. He said he grew up in punk rock with zines with like a real kind of cut and paste aesthetic, and that's what he does. So he at least knows what zines are. You know what right. I mean? Which is like not much, but like. It, it it starts to move you in a direction, you know. And he said that like he was, and, and his. I mean, they all got their fucking line on this, where they're like, "I was an anti-authoritarian, uh, or I thought I was an anti-authoritarian, but then I joined the church, and that's the real anti-authoritarian." And I just want to like Matt. Have you heard that conservatism conservatism is the new punk? I mean, uh, <laughs> I have. You know, I mean, it's just it, there's a lot of new punks out there, and that's the real. Punk. Who's that guy um, who has the talk show on Fox at Redline or some shit? Yeah, Greg Gutfield. Greg yeah. Gutfield. Me and Greg were talking about this. The, um, no, it's like at but, first I thought like Nuggets box sets and like Garage Walk was actually the real punk, and then no, I realized actually no. it was conservative thought. Um, yeah, no, it. I mean, I was like, oh no, no. When I first time I heard Strife, I was like, this is it. Yeah. But then I was like walking down the street on Wicker Park one day, and I heard this. I was like, that sounds like a stand-up bass, but it also sounds kind of punk. As I can't, Jeff knows where I'm going with this, so I'm gonna stop. Fantastic. The, um, so hold on, but I for the listener, we'll never get the end his... of that joke. <laughs> Which actually is a good summary of a long friendship with Matt Moran. <laughs> When that same that same talk, I watched like four or five videos because I was just like, 
it was his 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 disposition is so foreign, like so distant from mine. Like in that talk where he's talking about his punk, like you know, bona fides, he's saying they're having this debate about straws and how um, it's so fucking stupid that like California makes people not use straws. And one of the guys then asks um, Darren Doan, "Do you think God is sending a drought to California for these kind of people, like these environmentalists?" Right. And Darren Doan doesn't say no. Of course he does. He questions the validity of taking down racist monuments. They talk about, like, um, how the government is stealing money through taxes. All, like, really whack shit, you know? And so, like... But I do think the interesting part, though, is that you're... Like, so that's all stuff, though, later. Like, I mean, like, why... I mean, if he... If if, if the narrative of him that we're piecing together is that, like, he, he started to find God when he dealt with all these tooth and nail bands... Like they they opened his eyes. Maybe. Like that's what I read. That's what I read in that article. That oh, you he, read that. You read yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That yeah, article. I think you found it deep in. It said like it was kind of like how. What was your path? And I don't remember if he said like I had a little bit of God in my brain, but uh, but it was like I started doing all this work with all these Christian bands, and then slowly it started to kind of make sense to me, and then boom, I was Christian. But like so, even that is like one. Uh, he was younger. Still, like early 20s. 25. 25. Still, I I would say it's not super, but like if you're someone who will shift over at 25, then I think you continue on my general thesis that includes me about most of punk and hardcore is that as I get older and do more and more therapy, it's that, you know, there is a lot of mental illness that is drawing people too hardcore into subcultures. Because I would like to also know, is he the type who is, not knowing him, but seemingly someone like a Victor Karin, like, because we were talking about Inside Out, Alf Air, but, like, is clearly a guy who is, I think, unbelievably musically talented and also is always searching for something. Like, was searching for some sort of level of, like, that, you know, at one end could be covered by being straight edge and hardcore and punk and vegan and then has to go to the next level for whatever reason, to Krishna, Krishna consciousness, which we had to... And the same with Christianity. Like, it's like, you know, the Venn diagram of all the Christian hardcore bands, like, that were on Tooth and Nail in Solid State, where it's like, when was the line that they shifted over to, like... Because there's never been a point for me. But then, you brought it all back, Jeff. This is what, like... So I was giving, like, a little rundown of, like, his... Of the director, Doan's... Um, like shit he said in just like a couple, like, you know, very small sample size of all his shit, you know? And like, because like it, it just reflects back so much. Like, I mean, you're looking for him, like, where was the break where I'm like trying to look in like, where is, where is strife in this in what we see here? And where is he? Yeah. Because like, so was he friends or was he a guy who just got look locked up with through victory? Yeah. Right. But like, but then, and then, like, when the final thing is made, why, when you have an hour documentary, do you need a minute of Rick Rodney's legs while he's taking a <laughs> shit in a bathroom? Sure. Where you're actually, like, in a public restroom with the camera on the ground. There's a lot of weird, weird, weird shit. And is it like this guy looking for his crew and this is how you think you bond with men? Knowing, again, like, knowing where this guy lands. What does this time and place mean for this well, it's also, guy? I think also... Oh, sorry. Go on. Please. I was just going to say, gonna it's say? also... He attempts... There's like a few times when they're out... I think they're at Lake Michigan where there's like this attempt to do this interview style. But they're, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, you think about however young these guys are. And 
who knows what this guy's skill set of like the questions he's asking, but it it none of them want to. Yeah, it's camp. very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I can remember yeah. the same thing. Like when we would go yeah. in the van and I would bring a camera, as soon as I would ask a question, you know, like every, we'd be being whatever, being dumb and silly. And if I tried to like ask Brendan a question, then it would get all weird all of a sudden. But I yeah. wasn't putting it out into the masses. Well, but that is the thing that I do think there is like that. Uh, there, I think there's may just be a lot of layers to what leads to a just kind of like what the fuck is this movie? Because there is that like, I as someone who you know I I've done a lot of things that make it so I have to present myself to the world. I sometimes forget that like not everyone has to do that all the time. And then it's it's like, oh, right. People get like weirdly awkward, like the various levels, like combined with this is again, years of doing comedy and writing comedy. Like I sometimes also forget that like not everyone is that funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like legitimately. And like, I do think, we are three funny people. Like, I, there's a reason I've continued to stay friends with the two of you, and part of that is because you're both funny. Uh, yeah. But there I are agree. legitimately, yeah, agree. yes, <laughs> that's funny. very funny. But, <laughs> but like, like there are a lot of people who think they're funny, and 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 uh, comedy obviously is like this is getting like comedy is just subjective, and like you know, but like, why is there that long scene of Rick like shitting? I think they thought it was a funny thing and it's just kind of fine. Like, you know, like, and I, I, it's not like I could sit here and be like, well, as a, you know, comedy professor, I can tell you this and it, but you get, when you get a compilation of, it's what you said too before, it's like how much of that is inside joke and how much of that is stuff that's like, oh, it's really just fun to see yourself on camera. Right. Like you've, you're not used to that and you need that critical eye to be like, all right, Pete. Like, you might think it's really funny when you're going, yeah, buddy, to me all the time, but, like, you know. Just like, for the record, uh, I don't like, say yeah, buddy, all the time. No, I'm saying, no, uh, our Brettle does. And so, if if we were doing a video, <laughs> if, we, if we were doing a, a tour video of Sinaloa, we would have to make a legitimate, as the director, a legitimate decision. Like, is it funny to us going, like... Brettle comes up and is like, hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> or is it a legitimate joke that can kind of translate right, or a bit? Right. Like, but you got it. You, you, you hit it there, Jeff. It's like they are like it is all about they're young and they're funny and they, you know, like they clearly don't have girlfriends either because it's all like repressed sexual energy. Yeah. And then, hey, man, like if you go to their show in whatever town you live in, maybe they'll let you in the van and you can play go grundle grab in the backseat. <laughs> right. And like, you know, maybe you could piss in a bottle like, like a weirdo. <laughs> I never piss in a bottle once on tour, Pete. Never. Once. Never. But Never. I mean, but but that's the whole thing, right? Like that's part of the mythology. It's like it it almost passes under the radar of mythology because it is so um, recognizable as experience, you know. But for a 13, 14, 15 year old, 16 year old getting into hardcore, it is still mythology. You know what the weird part is, and then you saying that is me realizing is part of it that like thinking about all of those victory bands, like strife has the least myth or had even the least mythology attached to it in my mind like yeah well integrity totally integrity was nothing but like dwid like cultivated that and like continues to uh 
mm-hmm. and is a very nice guy. Uh, and Earth Crisis. Yes. Shout out to Dwid. Um, but and and but and like Clevo Hardcore like had like a thing, like had like an idea yeah. behind it. And Earth Crisis with like kind of the militant veganism and militant straight edge. You know, maybe Snapcase has the less mythology, but Snapcase just became in my mind a different bit, like a warp tour band. Like it just like a different type yeah. of person liked them. Um, anyone who I meet now who likes Snapcase, they like the records that I've never even heard. This is why Strife also did, we talked about this off air, but didn't always feel completely like a victory band. Like I thought of them more as a new age records band because of the way they sounded their like, and their mix of kind of everything. It's they're they are closer to an unbroken. They're not as Slayer Mm -hmm. metal, but like, you know, like Strife was like, like unbroken doesn't make a lot of sense to me as a new age band, right? And right. Um, it make and sense of the, like I mean, if those two bands were fli- on, on flipped labels, it would make things a lot more easier to understand, like see as like relationally. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine unbroken just had so many emotional issues combined with wanting not knowing them, but like wanting to have one foot in the San Diego deep San Diego scene and not. Like, cause where you're like still like, yeah, but you're still pretty much just a mosh core band. <laughs> like, um, you're awesome. But, but like, that's why, like listening to Strive, even to get ready for this, I was like, oh, right. It's got like, it checks off a lot of different boxes. Like it's not fucking, uh, uh, civil war reenactment old school, like, but has those parts in like, and then it kind of has like, it's never going to get fast core, but it's kind of gallopy with its triplets. Mm-hmm. Like, it has introspective lyrics and kind of sad lyrics and kind of, like, almost like, oh, you can see that he's going to stop being straight edge, but in an interesting way, lyrics. And had production of Metallica Mm -hmm. at times. Yeah, definitely. And, like, super tight, compressed drums. I loved every time there'd be, like, a fucking Tom roll into a China boy. Like, that was, like me and my friends in a nutshell like i loved tight super compressed triplets i mean again i'm going back to like who was my best friend and the guitarist in switch stance was my buddy eric vickmanis who was a straight up dirtbag before he became a hardcore kid like was just like a 100 percent hung out at the youth center like with all of the the dirts like, until I was like, yeah, there's also these hardcore bands that kind of sound like metal. Like, you might like Integrity and Earth Crisis and Strife. Um, and so, like, and that would also be the confusing part is, like, the things that they, like, people would say about Victory or the production style accompanying it. A lot of times I'd be like, yeah, that's not a bad thing to me. Like, and I'm aware that it's a separate, it's a different version. Like, you know, it's like the 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 way it sounds, I was just like, yeah, it's like a good sounding <laughs> like records uh uh in that specific style i feel the same way about destroy the machines like where i'm just like yeah it sounds like believer like it sounds like a metal record like and when i'm like yeah i'm a metal guy i don't know i like metal like all of my guitar playing is like i mean i was still shocked they were playing randall amps but also not um but you know (laughs) godspeed the last thing i want to ask is like you mentioned that one truth hits a lot of notes jeff um, just like they're the lyrics to like Rick Rodney's lyrics. One truth is like, it's those lyrics are like a stronger version. Like they, they, they seem like there's, they're like, you know, clear cut, like ultimatums and ways and maxims for life. You know, like this is like the, the code you live by. 
And that's the thing where, like you said, how, you, Christy asked you earlier, like, how can you see a guy getting from straight edge hardcore to born again Christian? And I'm like, if I'm going to think of one hardcore band that would lend itself, not the band, but mm -hmm. like the lyrics where you can see a fan would be someone who's interested in that going all the way into um, like born again Christian. Like Strife's not a bad guess for who that band would be. No, because I think they're open enough. Like that's part of the like, and I do think it's actually a continuation of. Look, if you're uh, if you're a straight edge band and you've had all of these bands before who have like, like what else are you gonna say besides like nailed to the X like sort of thing? Like there's only so many variations. But if you want to still do a straight edge album, versus if you're gonna be like Earth Crisis and just be like, what we're gonna do is start doing Greg Graffin style way too many gigantic words and just straight up just yelling at one point i am straight edge as a chorus um then you start got to, so it's got to go there it's so i think it has point. to get there combined with i think what maybe we're there there i even think of some of like the lyrics i wrote when i was like in doing like all ask or whatever and i'd be trying to be more poetic and it'd be like vaguely biblically imagery but just because it's easy to use. Uh, but I do wonder if that was also a part of the time. Was everyone trying to like find their version? Because like in my mind too, like growing up in Harker, I would be like, like if I think about the California takeover, it was almost like picturing the X-Men. And I was like, what are all of their individual superpowers? Like what does Snapcase represent? Strife, Earth Crisis. And, like, Snapcase was the, like, all right, I guess their whole thing. It's like how Bolt Thrower is, like, yeah, we're a death metal band, but we only sing about war. Like, and I'd be like, all right, Snapcase only sings about positivity and knowing, figuring out about yourself. Like, Strife is uh, going to be the straight edge band, but it's a little bit more, like, poetic and inner turmoil. Versus inner turmoil, Earth yeah. Crisis is just going to go all the way into it. Um, but, like, I do think, like, lyrically... That was also an of the time thing. Like, it was everyone trying to figure out what their version or their superpower was. And I, you know, like, in some ways you could make the case for Earth Crisis, but Earth Crisis is more of like, they definitely have still some lyrics like that I'm like, dudes, like, this has got to be like you're guilty of being white, where you got to just admit this choice was wrong. Like, Firestorm is one of the greatest just like, e-chug hardcore songs like you can't deny just like the dumbness of how awesome that riff is but welfare generations that sucks like you know as the loop completes moral degeneration like you start to get into like all right you you say this oh, is boy. about the black panther party is what the starting point of firestorm is but once you get to Gamora's season ends, that's your version of trying to be like, I have to find another variation on writing a straight edge song. But if you bring up Gamora, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, man, now you're just talking about Sodom and now you're fucking anti-homosexual. Right. Like it's like because you're stuck, because you're trying to, you know, if you just shit out Path of Resistance, which I think is a great record, but every song has to be about straight edge. Like, eventually you start to... And if you're also maybe not deft enough with language, that you're like, oh, I'm going to start right. getting a little bit poetic and I'm pulling in some, like, I read a William Blake sentence once, like, and now I'm going to be like, all right, and now here's this line. But it, it's like, it'll... I'll just like... And I, I think that has that element in Strife, maybe. So I'm like, 
you know, for us, I never thought like the biblical thing, it does make sense. But I'm also like, I don't know. I mean, he was in God Money. He's with this guy. Like, I don't know what Rick Rodney's religion was. Uh, uh, they certainly weren't as straight, like, you know, like as straight, like there's the whole strong arm, shy halud world, uh, uh, you know, fall a uh, focus point and training for utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, but also for us, we mostly were just always just like, is it, we would just get Seinfeldy with it and just be like, is it one truth? Is it not one truth? Make up your mind, hardcore. <laughs> Cause we had a hate breed every weekend yelling at us, not one truth. And then there was one truth. And like, literally, we'd be listening to these songs back and forth. They'd just be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, But I do think it's, I I, I don't know. I'm interested. I mean, I don't know the background of him at all, but I do think there was a religious element that was started to come in in our era of hardcore. Um. The reason I love metal is thinking that there's a world of good versus evil, right versus wrong, in sick of it all terms, us versus them, you can always count on me. But again, it's like to yell at a tune-in show like, my commitment to my sacred vow or something. But like, it's not like I'm leaving there like completely going like, I mean, you know, hey, I'm still not going to drink, but I mean, chill out, everyone. But how did this guy, Darren Doan, take it on? Like, where it's just like, I have other sacred vows, too. And that's about being anti-abortion. Like, on that yeah. note. The options for what this movie is. Is this movie as punk as Rick Rodney's sunglasses? Is this as punk as peeing in a bottle? Is on a in a moving in a moving automobile. Is this as punk as a Strife tramp stamp, or is this as punk as Dave Grohl? Who shall go first? I was hoping it was gonna be Pete first. I I can kick it off. Yeah, I mean for me, this again home video is as punk as peeing in a bottle in a van because because it's it's something that you do in private. It's not meant for anybody to see just happens in the van it stays in the van this video wasn't meant for other people to see it's like a document uh, a document of the people who were in the band who could enjoy it show it to their friends and kids yeah and that was it one truth wasn't made for the masses um so (laughs) it's also so gross if you did that's my one truth i'm just saying i just don't i i remember being with these guys and brendan doing it and being very Brandon's come up a lot in this yeah. one. Hey, buddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it it definitely it definitely happened. You in... could always pull over. I guess that's just was always. I just want to throw that Go in. You could always else. just find a bathroom or pull over at a rest stop <laughs> or on the side of the road. You, that's yes. all. It didn't ever have to happen. Uh, I don't for know. Sure. I was. I don't know. I was on tour for like 15 years. I just never had to do it once. But I'm just saying, <laughs> Timmy, maybe once or twice. No one else. No one else did it. I mean, Josh Anzano on the last Panthers tour was like puking in bags and doing everything. Okay. So that's a different story. But no, no, we all we just would oh. pull over, go to a gas that's station. Terrible. Well, if Jeff's done humble bragging about his bladder, <laughs> um, I'm gonna HB <laughs> 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 bladder. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, Pete, I think your answer is gonna be better than anything that I can, um, and your justification is gonna be better than anything I could put pull together here. Um, I am going to say, though, um, just 
for some variety that it reminds this is this is as punk as Rick Rodney's sunglasses, those Oakleys, those Oaks, because it is something I recognize as like you know from the past, but doesn't seem to fit in for my conception like with my conception of like punk so much, and it feels like part of like a like yeah it feels like it feels like it feels tertiary like those glasses like in the way jeff described it those glasses are part of something that is unrelated to the way that i experienced punk and hardcore and i experienced it and those glasses are like like i'm watching this movie and those glasses are like in two or three scenes i'm like (laughs) what are those like and that's like the only thing i can focus on and um this movie not strife like i mean the, the guys seem very nice the band is like good you know like is good like but like the doc this this home video is just like what is this and i think it is i think it's i think it's a victory production yeah you know i think in the way those sunglasses don't belong on strife on anyone in strife this thing makes a lot of sense as being a victory production yeah very well said i thank you now i gotta follow up Two, really, really, two very it. good reviews. I mean it. <laughs> yeah. God, you know I want to go girl. Well said. You know I. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it doesn't fit. But here. it doesn't curious at all Jeff's, because curious. it's not a good movie. But <laughs> curious where Jeff's gonna uh, go with this. Yeah, I know. This is your. your uh... <laughs> Ooh, save it for the next step. Um, no, girl is a girl is a sign of a movie. <laughs> Let's Wait, leave are you it saying at that. that Roll is, is a sign, sign of, a good of movie? it is actually that was a controversial, movie and not maybe just a tax write-off <laughs> for advertising. But um, I'm gonna. Uh, I I okay, loved your okay. answer, Pete, uh, and I loved your answer too, Matt. Of course, but I and I'm, I'm I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But I'm not going with you because I loved your answer. But I am agreeing with you. I'm giving it an Oaks. Uh, it's got it's got to be those Rick Rodney Oakley sunglasses. Because here's the thing, <laughs> you see those things and you have a gut visceral reaction, and uh, immediately you're just like, those things are disgusting. This is not my shit. Get the fuck out of my face with these sunglasses. But again, if you look beyond the sunglasses and you know you look what's underneath the sunglasses, and you also remember where those sunglasses maybe came from, and that these are just maybe just struggling musicians just wearing whatever free sunglasses they came. But it, it, you know, you you find the heart in there, and amidst the staring at this movie, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" I have a visceral reaction. This is not a well-made movie. It's not. A, it's a home video. Sorry, Pete. Um, uh, Underneath, there's still the kind of heart of what I loved at the time. And again, like, uh, when I can finally go to a concert, when the world is not a fucking hellscape, and I am at a metal show or a hardcore show with my best friend, Eric Vickmanis, I can almost 100% guarantee you that after he's had like six to eight beers and maybe some sort of weird mixed drink, there will be a point where I'll be watching the band, we're not talking, and I'll look over, and he will have quietly and deftly put on his <laughs> Oakley Arne sunglasses and is looking straight ahead, waiting for me to see him wearing them so I can yell at him and want to punch him in the face. It happens almost every <laughs> single show. He does it all the time because the lights are too bright for him. And I I hate them more than anything. And until the day we die, I will be telling him I hate the sunglasses. But I love that kid to death. And I still kind of love Strife to death. 
even amidst this garbage fucking home video. <laughs> Strife is great. The the Darren Dewan. Fuck you, man. Like fuck the Kirk Cameron. Fuck all your shit. Like homophobic jerk. I am like we've been doing this so late. I'm so tired. I don't care about this asshole anymore. Fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. you fuck with my sacred vow? I mean, 24th letter bears all my am, or is it 34? Is there 44? I don't know how many letters there are anymore. Um, yeah. Ugh. Okay, so... Um, now the exciting it's part. Yeah, it's late. I, I'm not sure if I'm emotionally ready for what's coming down the pipeline right now. <laughs> oh, what? It's So So it was my turn. As, as you know, faithful listeners, two of you, whoever you are, but there's a round robin here, and I believe it's Pete's choice. It's what we call a Pete's pick. (laughs) (laughs) The the big question both me and Matt are asking ourselves right now, how will Pete screw us? (laughs) I I mean... I'm wondering if Pete's going feature film on us right now. I mean, mean, and with that question, too, (laughs) is Pete going to screw us with a feature film? (laughs) It's I went back. I could use the uh, I could use the break a little bit. But <laughs> I, I, <could> <laughs> <laughs> I cannot promise that there's going to be a break. Uh, uh. You know, <laughs> I, I struggled this week. <laughs> what are you I struggled doing to this, us? <laughs> I struggled this week in trying to find the appropriate documentary. You struggled like what two hours be before step. we even started doing no, this. You were texting well, us not knowing th- what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I I kept Googling through to find new documentaries. So I've got this whole list, um, which is exhaustive. And But each week, it's kind of like, what is going to come next? Should there be a connection? I couldn't really find a connection. <laughs> but I am finding... That there is a connection that's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Pete is kind of the master of the slow this, bird for the reveal. This. I have to say, it's one of the things I found out doing this podcast. Like, I, I knew yeah. you and me would be kind of, you especially would be a pain in the ass about it. Like, but like yeah. Pete is, Pete's good at weaving a tail and being a jerk about home videos. Go on. <laughs> this, uh. This documentary came out in 2012. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Already Isn't shocked. There, uh, shocked. What? Which part? There, 2012. Yeah, there is I, a, I that makes me more confused about what this is going to be from Pete and two. We're going to a whole. We're going to a whole new place that. If where you are none of us like are a really Wilco documentary. I'm going to freak no, no, out. No, no, no. Are you doing Bane? Are none, you doing Bane? none of us. No, Bane 2012, just came man, out. Come on. I think, right? <laughs> yeah, none of us. Uh, uh, none we're of doing us. Doing Bane, Matt. It's coming. I'm ready for the Bane. Oh, Bane is I'm happening. Okay with that. Yeah. None of us are. Okay. I don't think are prepared. We may find out that as we watch this, <laughs> I I'm going to say that Jeff is going to like aspects of this. Okay. Musically, I think. Okay. But well, he may not no, be able really to admit confused. it. I'll there is a there is a slight a, a correlation with what we just watched in terms of the director. What, what? the <laughs> slow bird here? This, right. this this documentary seventy four minutes two thousand twelve. Is it a Pennywise documentary? No 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 no. <laughs> Are we going down directed, an unknown road? Directed directed by John. <laughs> John. <laughs> Yo, bro him. You got to tell us what this is. Now give it to us. <laughs> Directed by Justin Ludwig. The the uh 
The title is Christ Core. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, I'm already, oh, I heard Core. it. I'm excited already. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Wow. So we're going with Christ Core. It's, uh, um. <laughs> let me, I, I want to do, I do my almost, I want to do my almost every episode reminder that when we started this podcast, we had so many discussions <laughs> about we need to hit these exact 10 documentaries before we even think about going crazy. We maybe have done one, maybe two. Oh, two or three. What, how, how? All decline. ages decline. That's it. That's it. All ages decline. Chicago does not count. Chicago does not count. Punk and Africa does not count. Punk Africa does not count. We have not gotten salad days. We have not done some of the very basics, <laughs> and I love it. Go on, Pete. Christ Core. So Christ Core is an inside look at the explosive, <laughs> oh explosive subculture of Christian hardcore, which is surging across North America. Wow. Oh it is. It, gonna, it, it was, it's uh, going to be at the Cornerstone Festival. Whole bunch of shots at the oh, Cornerstone yeah. Festival. So uh, you know, we'll see. The, it's uh, oh it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's you screwed the, us, man. You said that no, it no, was no. going to be a little bit for me. There is not going to be enough talking about Strong Arm. No, or... I think it follows three bands. Oh, but I think that you're going to. I think there's going to be some crossover where you're like, you know what? If I didn't know the lyrics, I'd be into this. Is DC Talk one of them? That is not okay. Wow. Uh, it's, is, miner- is mineral? In <laughs> it is not. There's no tooth and nail, no mineral. Ugh. The tagline is "Welcome to the new warship." Ugh. Is <laughs> Jim and Tammy Face Baker's son gonna show up? Uh, it's possible. Yeah, probably. I think it's gonna be a good watch. I'm excited. All right. On that note, we're gonna be diving deep oh, into boy. our sacred vows with Christ Core next week. But until then, I'm Jeff Garlock. Up the punks. I'm Pete Zetlin. Colin Guar. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta give it us a no gods, no masters. Yeah, you gotta. All right. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta do that. All right. All right. All right, can I do it again? Yeah, please. Hold on, I wanna do it one more time. Let me, let me, hold on. <laughs>